Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. You are the most egotistical, self-deluded person I have ever met. You're mocking me, aren't you? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going to be rambling a little bit. We're going to tell some stories and share some memories. It's a random collection of stories and memories today. I did this before, and this is what happens when you do this kind of a podcast, when you sit down and you try to remember the stories of your life and everything that's happened. You have these little snippets of things that pop in your head, and you remember certain things or certain flavors or certain smells, and you can't quite associate it with anything in particular. It's just a memory. And so I wanted to share some more of those with you today, but before I do that... I wanted to touch on what this podcast is supposed to be about, what my visions for it were. It continues to evolve as I do it. But when I first started this podcast, I really had two purposes in mind. One of the things that I wanted to do was share the stories from when I was growing up. And as most of you know, I've been around for a while. So I've got a lot of years to go back to to tell you stories about. And one of the benefits from being around for so long is I have memories of things that a lot of you have never experienced, never lived with, never lived through. Whether you go back to 9-11, or you go back to the Challenger explosion, that's in the 80s. You go back to the 70s, the 60s, the stuff my parents told me about in the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. I've got memories that go way back. So I wanted to share those with you because I know not everybody has that. I know from talking about this stuff in the stream that at least some folks find it interesting, and I'm happy to share it. The other reason that I wanted to do the podcast is because I wanted to save these stories partly for myself, because I don't always remember every detail. When I sit down and think about it, I can go into the story in my memory bank and go, oh yeah, that happened. And as I think about it, that happened. And as I think about it, oh yeah, and I remember that too. So I like to preserve those memories for myself. But I want to preserve them for my kids, for my kids' kids, for my friends, and anybody else who might be interested in listening. Because I'm acutely aware of the fact that there will be a day when I won't be able to tell these stories. Either because I've lost my memory or because I'm dead. Both of those things could happen. Definitely one of them will at some point. So I kind of want these stories out there. So in case anybody ever wants to know what was Gamer Dude all about, they have a reference. Now before I get into any of the memories today... I'm going to give all of you a little piece of advice. Some of you are older, I know. Some of you are younger. Some of you have good memories, and some of you have bad memories. And by memories, I don't mean the experiences, but how well you remember things. So I'm going to give you a piece of advice if you want to save your stories, and I recommend it. I recommend saving your stories so that you can go back and visit what you used to be like, because it's interesting, at least to me, to look back on what I used to be and see how I've changed and evolved as I've gotten older. So no matter what kind of memory you have, the piece of advice I'm going to give you is this. Keep a journal. I know it sounds kind of weird or hokey or really, but you know what? If you have a little journal where you write things down, things that happened to you, things that you want to remember, today was the day my first child was born, I felt like this, the sky was blue, the temperature was 95 degrees, whatever it was, you may not care tomorrow or next week or next year, but I guarantee you in 15 years... In 25 years, you're going to go back and read that and go, oh, yeah, man, I remember that. And you'll sit down and you will be able to enjoy that memory. You'll be able to savor it and you'll remember how you felt. I recommend the journal for good things and bad things, but even if you just record the good things, 
Today I asked Mary to marry me. Whatever the memory is. And that way you can revisit it in the future and share it with your kids, share it with Mary. It's there for you to go back to. Because there's something cool about going back and remembering things and reliving those feelings. And honestly, that's one of the best things about this podcast. I've had the opportunity to go back and relive some feelings. Not all of them good. If you go back to season one, I talked about bullying. I talked about growing up the fat kid. I didn't have a life full of wonderful memories. And I've tried to share the bad and the good with you. But I've had so many great experiences and I've loved sharing them. But more importantly, I've loved reliving them because it brings back those great feelings about when I was a kid. So today's episode is inspired by these memories, these trips down memory lane, these snippets of events that are just that, snippets. It's just a little piece of something that I remember. When I was a kid, I had a really, really good memory. I could take tests. I could win trivia games. And my memory was really, really good for a long time. As I've gotten older, I've come to realize that it seems that the memory is like a bucket that you can fill up to a certain level, and then once it's full, it doesn't really want to take any more information in. I still remember the stuff from when I was a kid, but not as well as I used to, and not as much as I used to. And the stuff that happens to me now, I remember the important things, but there's certain little day-to-day stuff that my memory just goes, eh, we're not keeping that. We have too much in storage right now. So that's one of the other reasons that I want to share these snippets. So in case the memory banks decide to close down someday, I can go back and listen to this podcast myself and go, oh yeah, I remember that. Now one of the earliest memories that I have is, I guess what they call an olfactory memory. It's a memory of scent. But one of the earliest memories I have is of my grandfather's shed. Now this is my mother's father we're talking about. He died when I was very, very young. I barely remember him. I have memories of him napping on the couch. I have memories of him calling me a blunderbuss. And I have memories of his feet right by my head as I'm sitting at the bottom of the couch. And he always wore white socks. I remember that. That sticks in my head for whatever reason. Grandpa's white socks. And I remember my grandmother's couch was maroon. And the white socks stood out in stark contrast to the maroon color of the couch. That's probably why it stuck in my head. But I remember sitting on the floor at the foot of the couch, and I remember my grandfather's white-socked feet right above my head. And I remember we were watching television. I have no idea what we were watching, but I just have that memory of me on the floor with my grandfather's feet next to my head. But that's not even the greatest memory of my grandfather that I have. It's that shed, the shed out in back of the house. Now, my grandmother's house was a big old house up in upstate New York. They had a detached one-car garage. And that's where my grandfather parked his Ford. My grandfather was a Ford man. There was a day where you were either a Ford man or a Chevy man or a Chrysler man. But anyway, grandpa parked his Ford in the detached garage from the house. And then behind the garage, there was a separate shed. Now, as a little kid, I remember the shed as being huge, huge. As I look back and try to remember it, because I haven't been up there literally for decades. My grandma's been gone for years. I can't even remember the last time I was at her house. It was so many years ago. But I still remember that shed. As a little kid, as I said, I remember it being huge. It probably was 10 by 10, maybe 15 by 15. That's not a huge space, unless you're a little kid. And we didn't go into the shed very often, because after my grandpa died, there was really no reason to. But I do remember he stored things like tools and nuts and bolts and nails out in the shed. Whatever saws or crowbars or clippers or gardening implements you needed were out in that shed. I remember one of the gardening implements was one of those hand mowers. You may never have even seen one. Nowadays with electric mowers everywhere or landscaping crews doing all the work. 
People forget there used to be something called a hand lawnmower. And what it was was two wheels on a long handle, and between the two wheels on the axle connecting them were curved blades. And as you pushed this hand lawnmower across the lawn, the wheels obviously would turn, and the blades would turn, and the blades would cut the grass. There was no electricity involved. It was you. You were the power. You pushed, it cut. So my grandfather had one of those in his shop. He had a rake, because after you did the mowing, you'd have to rake up the grass clippings. There'd be a shovel. There'd be a hoe. So basically all of the tools that an ordinary guy who was trying to keep his house running would have in the shed. And I remember opening the door of that shed. And because it only got opened once or twice a year, it would develop that mustiness that you sometimes smell in old houses. There was a mustiness to it. There was also the smell of that old grass. I don't know if you know what that smells like, but it has kind of a pungent greenness to it. My grandfather also kept oil cans out there. Lubricating oil for the lawnmower, motor oil for the vehicles, and the smell of oil combined with the mustiness combined with the old grass was just one of those scents that you have stuck in your head. And every once in a while that scent comes back to me. If I go into an old shed at some auction that I'm visiting or some garage sale that I've gone to, you open a door to an old garage and you get that smell. That old grass, old oil, slightly musty, slightly tangy smell. Every time I catch a whiff of that, I remember my grandfather's shed. And the memory I have is opening the door, and there was a window off to the left. And every time I'd open that door as a kid, I remember the sun filtering through the window. I remember the dust particles floating in the air. And I remember being smothered by that scent of muskiness and grassiness and oiliness. It was somehow a warm and comforting smell to me. So if I ever had to go to the shed to get the rake so I could rake Grandma's yard or get the mower so I could cut her grass. I remember loving that smell as I went in there. And any time I catch a whiff of something similar to it, no matter where I go, I'm taken back to my grandfather's shed, and it's a really cool memory. That sense of smell also reminds me of my other grandmother as well. And I've mentioned this in another podcast episode. These olfactory memories, the sense of smell memories, they're really powerful. I think that's why Yankee Candle is so popular, because they can recreate so many powerful smells. Banana bread, cinnamon, Christmas trees. We all have great memories associated with that stuff. There are some not-so-great memories associated with smells, too. Not that my other grandmother was not so great, and not that the memories of her are not so great. But there's just this one smell that I remember from my other grandmother's house. We would go visit her. And she had these evergreen trees, and it's a particular kind of evergreen tree, and I don't know what kind it is. And this may sound weird to you, and maybe it's just me that smells this, but there's a certain kind of evergreen tree that, on sunny days, it puts out a smell that's, at least to me, reminiscent of cat pee. I know that sounds disgusting, but that's what it smells like to me. It smells like cats have urinated all over the place whenever you're near this evergreen tree. Thankfully, it's not a popular evergreen tree, but every once in a while, I'll visit a house, I'll visit a business, I'll visit somewhere, and I'll catch a whiff of that evergreen tree. And I get that cat pee odor, and my mind instantly goes back to grandma's house. It's not a bad memory, it's not a good memory, it's just a weird little memory from when I was growing up. Grandma's cat pee trees. Now, I've got another olfactory memory, too. Another memory of smell. And I mentioned this in another story that I told on the podcast a couple of seasons ago. But this is back at Yankee Stadium back in the 70s. I talked about being at Yankee Stadium when the Yankees won the pennant for the first time in like a decade back in the 70s. 
I won't repeat the whole story here, but the thing that I remember, the olfactory memory that I have from that day, is the smell of grass. Because after the game was over, when all the fans were going crazy, my dad walked me down. We had seats on the upper deck. My dad walked me down to the lower deck. Everybody had run in the field. They were jumping around. It was crazy. The sound was deafening. But the smell of the infield was almost as overpowering. And while I remember the sound of the crowd going crazy, the smell of the grass. There was something about walking out onto that lower deck walkway. We didn't go onto the field. My dad was not crazy. But there's something about walking into the high-rent district of Yankee Stadium, because, you know, ordinary people can't actually afford seats on the lower level at Yankee Stadium. Even when I was a kid, that was the case. But once the game was over and everybody was out on the field, we were able to get on that lower deck. And as you walk out there, there's so much grass in a baseball stadium. You don't realize it until you're actually there. There is so much grass. And the smell of fresh grass just has this beautiful scent to me. I love the smell, especially of fresh cut grass. But even if you're in a meadow that hasn't been mowed in weeks, that has a beautiful scent to it as well. But the fresh cut grass, oh, there's just something so invigorating, inspiring, delicious about it. So when we walked out on the main level at Yankee Stadium, that smell of grass just engulfed me. I remember that green smell. There's no other way to describe the smell of freshly cut grass except green. It smelled green, fresh green, bright green, a green that you can almost taste. And seeing the people jump around out there and having that smell surround me and fill my nostrils, it was just sensory overload. And when I think about it, Boy, that's such a good memory. Remembering the greenness and the brightness of the lights and the loudness of the people. Just everything surrounding me on a day that my favorite baseball team won the pennant. What a memory. Some of the other memories I have have to do with working on cars. Doesn't sound exciting, I know. But I'm a car guy. I've always liked cars. It's because I wanted to drive as soon as I knew what driving was and I couldn't wait to learn to drive. And then I couldn't wait to figure out what kind of car I'd be able to drive. And then I couldn't wait to figure out how to keep my car running. Because I knew I was never going to afford a new car. So I knew I was going to be buying junkers for the foreseeable future. And that's what I did. I'd buy junkers and keep them on the road. So one of the first jobs that I had was working at a gas station. And one of the little perks that I had working at this gas station was I could work in the shop after hours as long as I wanted. As long as I didn't break anything. Now, one of my friends in high school also worked there. That's actually how I got the job. He actually hooked me up. He said, hey, the guy's looking for somebody to pump gas. Why don't you go apply? So I did and got the job. I was a gas jockey for the first six months. And after the owner saw that I was mostly responsible, he started teaching me how to do things. I learned how to change the oil. I learned how to do brake jobs. I learned how to do a tune-up. That involves something called gapping the spark plugs. I learned how to set the timing with a timing light on an engine. Nowadays, we don't worry about this stuff, but back in the day, you had to know all these little details to keep your car running. You had to know what kind of spark plugs to put in your car. You had to know how to gap a spark plug. That's something a lot of people don't know about these days. What the hell is a gap in the spark plug? What the hell is a spark plug? I'm not going to give you a lesson on internal combustion engines today, but suffice it to say that the engine runs on little explosions in the cylinders, and those explosions are caused by spark plugs. And in order to get the right spark to make the car run most efficiently, there has to be an appropriate gap so that the spark will spark properly and ignite the fuel in the cylinder. That's already probably more technical knowledge than you want or care about, so I'll stop there. But I learned all of this stuff, and I learned how to use a spark plug gapper. There's actually a tool for gapping spark plugs. 
I learned how to insert spark plugs. I learned what the rotor was. I learned what the condenser was. I learned what the alternator did and what the regulator did. I learned all of that stuff. Did I expect to be a mechanic for the rest of my life? No, I did not. But did I expect to have to work on my cars for the rest of my life? Yes, I did. So I learned. And I learned how to tune up my car. I learned how to do brakes. I didn't like doing brakes. It was a pain in the butt. But I learned. And I learned what makes cars run and how to keep them on the road. And I learned the various things about different kinds of cars. Like my first car was a Volkswagen Beetle. Not the one you see on the roads now. My first car was a 1970 Volkswagen Beetle. It's the classic VW. Now, for those who don't know, the original Volkswagen Beetle had an engine in the back. That's something you don't see too much anymore. That was actually kind of a selling point for the Volkswagen. It had the engine in the back. You would open up the little hatch in the back and there would be the engine. You'd open up the front where you'd think the engine would be and it was the trunk. The trunk of the bug was in the front. Now, not only did the Volkswagen have the engine in the back, it was also an air-cooled engine. What does that mean? Well, instead of a radiator where you'd put radiator fluid in the radiator to make sure the engine ran cool, there was no radiator in a Volkswagen. Air-cooled means exactly that. They had vents on the side of the car that would vent air around the engine, and that was supposedly enough to keep the engine cool. If you were moving, you were fine. If you were sitting in traffic for a long period of time on a hot day, your engine could conceivably overheat, although they never did. But conceivably, they could have. The other thing I learned about Volkswagens, the engines drop out very easily if you know how to take them out. I learned how to take the engines out because in order to change the clutch plate, you had to drop the engine. I learned how to do that. I also had a Volkswagen Beetle with a front end that was very rusted. That's how I got the car. It was actually my dad's car, and he was going to sell it to the junkyard and decided to give it to me to repair because he couldn't get anything for a trade-in when he wanted to buy a new car years later. So he said I could have the car as long as I could keep it on the road and get it past inspection. In New Jersey, you had to have your cars inspected every year, and they had to prove roadworthy, otherwise you couldn't drive it. So one of the things that I had to do was fix the front end, because the front end was rusted out. It was so rusted out that the wheels didn't point straight, and you couldn't align them straight, because the front end was too rusty. Every time you tried to align it, the wheels wouldn't hold the alignment. But one of the things that I discovered was that the whole front end on a Volkswagen was connected by basically four bolts. They were very large bolts, but if you took them out, you could take the whole front end off the car. And so what I wound up doing was buying a Carmen Ghia. And this is probably more information than you wanted, but the Carmen Ghia had the exact same frame as the Volkswagen Bug. The Carmen Ghia was the sports version of the Bug, essentially. They just put different body parts on the same frame. So I bought the Carmen Ghia for 50 bucks. How did I get it for 50 bucks? Well, the floorboards on the Carmen Ghia had rusted through. I mean, literally rusted through. If you sat in the driver's seat, you had to put your feet on the sides of the frame because there was no floor. It was gone. There was like shreds of metal where the floor would be. And so they were selling it to the junkyard. And I bought it for 50 bucks because I needed the front end. Now, the Carmen Ghia was being sold at a house probably a half mile from the gas station. And I remember giving the guy the 50 bucks, hopping in the Carmen Ghia, starting it up, somehow managing to sit there without putting my feet through the floor. I would have been like Fred Flintstone if I'd tried. I could have just foot-pedaled it all the way to the gas station. But I was able to drive it the half mile necessary to get to the gas station. I wheeled it into the shop that night, and I worked late hours that night, because I had to do this after hours. I worked late hours to take the four bolts off the front end of that Carmen Ghia, pull it out, and then transfer it over to my bug, which I was able to do. It was a late night, but I was able to do it. 
Now, it wasn't all peaches and cream. It wasn't the easiest thing to do. I had to get the steering box aligned. I had to get that greased up and lubricated because the Carmen Ghia hadn't been run for a while. But at least I had a solid front end on the bug, and I was able to keep that car going for another year or two. But I learned to do all that stuff because, A, it interested me, and B, I didn't have any choice. If I wanted a car, I had to make it run. I had to get it past inspection, and I had to make it roadworthy. So I did. But all of the little things that I learned at this gas station, I used for years. For years, I changed the oil on my own car. I didn't pay for an oil change for literally decades because I learned it's pretty easy to change your oil. Nowadays, they've made it much more complicated. Oil filters are hardly accessible anymore. It's hard to drive the car up on ramps in the driveway and slide underneath it and get to all the things you need to get to. You can do it at a Jiffy Lube. You can do it at the shop. But just lying on your back in the driveway, it's not so easy anymore. If I had to do it, though, I could, because I learned. And I took that knowledge to every car that I owned after the Volkswagen, too. I thought I was going to have about 15 stories to tell you today. We got through like three of them. We talked about Grandpa's Shed, Yankee Stadium, and cars. But that's the thing about memories. You start talking about one, and it reminds you of another, which reminds you of another, which leads you down another path. And all of a sudden, you're remembering things that you had totally forgotten about. For me, there's something comforting about that. For me, it reminds me of where I came from. And that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to remember where we came from. Because then you can compare that to where you are, and if you're not where you want to be, you can correct course. And if you're going in the direction you want to go, then you just keep doing it. But that's the value that I find in my memories. And at the same time, I hope you find some entertainment in them. I hope you do, because that's the point of this whole podcast. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. As always, I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate all of the time that you spend here. You guys are the best. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.